This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 34. Evaluate everything that you do, have a purpose for it, and if it fits your system, great, but don't don't be so wrapped up in just, oh, I have to use this technology to use this technology. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Scott Caulfield. Here with me today, Megan Evans, Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning for the Olympic Sports at Virginia Tech. Coach, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much. And we are sitting here in the exhibit hall at the Coaches Conference 2018. We've got a great show going on, and uh, you made the trek over here. A pretty easy trip. Luckily, it's, it's chilly. Luckily, you didn't get uh, snowed in or anything. Yeah, not too bad. Definitely, definitely a little bit warmer than it is in Blacksburg, Virginia. <laughs> and uh, yeah, excited to talk to you because you've been at Virginia Tech your whole career. Um, you were a student athlete there. You were a GA there. You got a PhD and a master's degree there. Uh, you've risen through the ranks. So talk a little bit about that first. How did you end up, you know, going to school there? And then and really, what, where did you decide to kind of start this path toward being a strength coach? Um, well, I was a, a scholarship athlete uh, recruited out of Pennsylvania. I'm originally from uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line and up in Penn State country. And, and the softball coach recruited me down to Tech. And, and um, I came in as a business major. I think a lot of us don't know at 18 years old what, is, what do we really want to do with our life. And I kind of really fell in love with what the weights could do for me as a student athlete. I was a catcher. Um, I developed a really solid relationship with my strength coach, who is now my boss and mentor. Terry Mitchell um, in the Olympic sports weight room and and just kind of started nagging him by the time I was a sophomore I changed majors into human nutrition foods and exercises and then just kind of nagged him about hey you know how do I how do I start this career how do I do this how do I do this and and he said well you know you gotta look and try to become a GA and if we have the position there and that kind of stuff and so I just kind of kept bugging him and nagging him as much as possible, which I uh, commend anybody who can do that, um, to go ahead and, and just keep putting your name out there as much as possible. And um, above him was Mike Gentry at the time, and, and they kind of had a little powwow and decided to go ahead and let me be a graduate assistant. So I graduated in 2005 with my undergrad. I started my master's degree in, in uh, that fall and um, finished that in 2007, and that's in physical education. We um, uh, have a pretty pretty good uh, extensive online options um, for our our uh, graduate assistant positions and and um, so you're getting the hands-on experience of being um, helping with the, the day-to-day running of a weight room but you're also getting your education at the same time which I think my father who was in higher education is very big on continuing your education and um, apparently coach Gentry saw something that he liked and he offered for me to continue my PhD. And then that led into a full-time position in 2009. Um, took me a few years to finish my PhD after I was hired until about 2014, um, kind of balancing team responsibilities and, as well as academic responsibilities was a little yeah. bit tough. Well, was that a hard decision to, to start the PhD or was it like, okay, I know I 
this will help me be a better coach? For me, um, it was, um, I think, a, like a lot of things, you do things more for your parents to start, yeah. and then it becomes for you. Yeah. Um, to start with, my, my I, like I said, my dad was a professor in, and, at, in higher education, and, and he kind of pushed me to say, hey, this is something that you should have in your resume. This should, this should be in your toolbox. And then if you ever do want to leave the coaching realm, you have options. Um, and now we're seeing so many more of us in this field with PhDs that it's become obviously a very relevant um, tool to have. And um, the amount of research that's coming out now and knowing that I have the, I have the tools and the credentials to go ahead and, and put it out there with them, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah. How much is that? How, how much did having your master's in PE and this education, PhD, really help you? you know, become a better coach and learn coaching strategies and all this other stuff that you guys learn in that kind of programs? Um, it's been, it's, it was a challenge, I, I would say this at Tech, um, just because, again, we do have the online programming um, in terms of our academics online. So am I sitting there in a classroom learning how to do motor skills and that kind of stuff? No. So you're, you know, it was more of a, okay, I have to take the extra steps to reach out to these professors if I'm not understanding something or if I'm not getting something. And then how do I take that and truly apply it to what we do every day? in in the weight room and, and in athletic performance and communicating that with my professors that this is the background I'm coming from and that these are what my papers are probably going to be written about. And once they kind of understood that and kind of put two and two together, they were able to kind of help guide me through some of the principles of, of motor learning and, and that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And you mentioned Coach Gentry, uh, retired at Virginia Tech, 25 plus, 30 years, uh, whatever he ended up coaching, a long time, decades. What are some of the key things that you learned from him as a young strength coach that, you know, that really stick with you still today? Um, I think, you know, you talk about new school, you talk about old school, and Coach Gentry is very much the kind of guy that technology is there to be used, but if it doesn't fit your system, don't get too wrapped up into it. You know, evaluate everything that you do, have a purpose for it, and if it fits your system, great. But don't don't be so wrapped up in just oh I have to use this technology to use this technology. Um, he was you know really really sound in his philosophies and his mission statement for where he saw Virginia Tech athletic performance and what he wanted us to accomplish and where our priorities were within the training system. And you know if technology fit into it, great. But if not, it's not the end of the world. Don't use it just to use it. Evaluate it and make sure that it's quality and it fits what you're doing. Yeah, that's great. That's There was a kind of an earlier session, and Andy Galpin's going to talk about using technology purposefully at this conference. But a lot of it was basically very, exactly like that. It's like you're not fitting the entire program around this new piece of technology that might end up becoming obsolete right. or changing or the company goes out of business or whatever it is that, you know, yeah, does it fit into what you have? So that's super cool to hear. Um, and you come, you come, you know, from being GA to now being an assistant director where you're supervising other uh, coaches and GAs. What kind of things do you do you look for in uh, you know new GAs or interns that you guys have? What do you, what, what are you looking for when you're hiring these positions? My my big thing is is your energy. 
what kind of energy is it positive energy are you somebody who is going to come in i'm not saying you have to be a rah rah kind of coach but if you're coming in with positive energy and you're ready to go and you're ready to give everything to your athletes every day you can be taught programming you can be taught the scientific end of things um but i can't teach you how to be a positive person if you don't already have that outlook in life and there is so much reward in what we do every day with working with these student athletes and working with them that if you can't get jazzed about helping them get better um, whether that be as better people or better athletes then we're in the wrong profession yeah no that's super cool and it's definitely there's you know what when you talk about being like book smart or you know connecting with people but yeah it's much easier to teach people the book knowledge if they already have the people skills than it is to teach them because some of that some people just aren't able to to learn the people skills right right? to becoming engaged like that um also again you mentioned being a scholarship athlete you were actually just inducted into the Virginia Tech Hall of Fame as an athlete. What a, what kind of experience was that? Tell me a little bit about that. Super cool. Oh, super cool night. Um, you know, the athletic department, you know, really did a fantastic job of just making us feel so honored and so special and, and all of our families and our guests and, and, and being able to be inducted with, you know, other athletes who were there while I've been there. Um, Zabian Dowdell with basketball and Ben Taylor with football. And, and I, I just missed Michael Vick coming in and out. Um, he, he left my freshman year. So I just missed him, but obviously, you know, he was still very much around the campus and stuff like that. So it's just incredibly humbling and incredibly honored to just just to be up there with those gentlemen um and and some of the the other inductees um over the years it was just i mean it was incredible night that's cool what are some of the things you know you obviously got interested in strength and conditioning why do you think and what were some of the things that kind of hooked you from being a student athlete into becoming a coach what were some of those like either key influences from the strength coach or other even sport coaches right because the sport coaches it's still coaching that tremendous effect that they have on us um i'm a little bit type a um so for me i knew i wanted to go into coaching i I, when i changed majors out of um, the business department um, i knew i wanted to go into coaching it was do i want to coach the x's o's of softball or do i want to go into um, more of the strength strength field and i was still kind of feeling that out and still kind of learning what does it mean to be a strength conditioning coach and what what kind of things are um entailed in that and um the type a personality in me said i didn't want my livelihood to depend on the decisions of a 17 year old um and now with the recruiting game the way it is especially with softball where where so many of these kids are getting recruited at a younger and younger age i mean there's 14 year olds on campus doing unofficial visits and you're sitting here going, what am i going to talk to this student athlete about and are they even going to be am i even going to be there by the time they come to the school as an athlete you don't know these things and so um you know, I kind of gravitated more towards the, the the weight training end of things just out of that element. And then I just kind of started to see, okay, you know, is it the difference between hitting a home run and not hitting a home run? No, but it's the difference between hitting that sharp double to the gap that got through versus a ground ball single or something like that. And that was kind of just seeing that performance end of things and how my level of play elevated individually 
and then how teammates of mine had kind of started um, having more chalk talk sessions with Coach Miss, Coach Mitchell um, between between games and stuff like that and just saying, hey, you know, well, I see this. What is what's going on? And, and him just kind of explaining, hey, this is what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah. Are you seeing a lot of different uh, the athletes that you're getting today versus when you first started? Is it is it a lot different? Are you having are you feeling like you're having to teach them a lot more fundamentally from a physical standpoint uh, or not? Are, are kids kind of at least in softball or different sports that you work with are they really getting good training before they get to you guys uh, you seem to be getting one you either get one or the other okay you're getting kids who are out there at these performance centers and they're working with coaches in some way they they're coming in with a good solid amount of experience already or we're getting kids who have never set foot in a weight room yeah. to begin with so you know it's kind of hard and especially you know, over in Olympic sports where we're not getting as much structured instruction younger mm -hmm. um, the way the football programs typically do in high school. You know, I talk to a lot of my soccer girls and they'll say, well, I've never lifted in my life. And it's like, so you're starting with a blank slate or something like that. And um, the biggest thing that I see in the differences in student athletes over the last few years has been the over specialization they're specializing so much younger now that we're having to go back and teach basic fundamental movements of the body and reteach it um that we didn't have to teach before because they haven't moved in multiple planes or they haven't moved in multiple ways the way you know a softball player who also plays basketball is going to learn to move. Yeah. And um, did they, did, did those, do you guys have a system? Uh, how do you differentiate those kids? So you have a kid that obviously has a higher training age versus someone that never touched a weight um, coming in as freshmen. How do you guys differentiate those athletes? Um, so we've, we've obviously implemented screenings. Um, there's that element. And then most of our student athletes, go through some form of orientation process. If we can expedite that process based off of what their experience is, we will. If we have to take a student athlete a little bit slower, we will. Is there a, a set program on paper? No, because I think every student is going to uh, progress differently. And I think that comes down to you as a coach kind of looking at it and say, okay, this student athlete is ready for this. Right. This student athlete is ready for that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you're here at this conference, uh, coaches conference, first time at the coaches conference. What have you liked about it so far? You've mentioned that you usually go to the NSC National. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about the differences that you've noticed and why. Well, um, obviously, we're all coaches here. So I think the content is a little bit more structured towards our interests. Whereas at the National, while it's always been quality and I've, uh, and I, you know, I felt like the one we had in Las Vegas this summer was fantastic. Um, but the content here is obviously far more pinpointed on what we want. You don't have to hunt through the different speakers and say, okay, this is the one I want to go to today. It's a little bit more clear. And then I think being because it's a little bit smaller, um, you're getting a lot more conversation and a lot more intimacy within within the networking end of things. Yeah. And we've definitely tried to build in more of these round tables and different kind of opportunities, whether it's the 
receptions that you get to kind of meet and talk shop at um, into, as well as the peer-to-peer discussions, which are, again, similar to the roundtables that are different um, to, to give coaches that opportunity because we know from an educational standpoint, too, that um, while most of traditional clinics are still one person standing up lecturing, watching PowerPoint, you know, most of us as coaches, you know, that's not necessarily our preferred method right. of learning. <laughs> Again, being a education uh, PhD, you guys know all that already. <laughs> um, what do you, what would you say some kind of common myths or misconceptions about being a D1 strength coach are? Um, well, people either think that we make a lot of money and I, don't, I know it's different in football and maybe is a little bit different even in, in the basketball realm. But I know in Olympic sports, you're certainly not entering this field because you're going to make a lot of money. You're going into it for different reasons. Um, uh, maybe it's because you have a servant's heart or maybe it's because, you know, you just want to really help student athletes reach their goals. Um, for me, it, it's about connecting to the student athlete and um, helping them not only develop as athletes, but to develop as people. Um, these are very moldable young people at, at 18 to 22 years old. And, you know, we label them students, we label them athletes, we label them kids, soccer players. But at the end of the day, they're human beings. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've, I've been taught from actually our sports medicine department was um, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And and if you're, you know, treating these young people as people first and then athletes, that's when you're going to reach, reach them. I love that quote. It's great. That's super. And I think you, I probably know what you're going to say, but what would you say is the best part about your job? The athletes. Yeah, that's great. You know, when you connect with them and my goal at the end of the day for them, when they leave my program, because majority of my athletes are not going professional. I've had a couple go into cool professions that are athletic related. Like I had a, a female diver now who is performing in China at, in their version of Cirque du Soleil. You know, so those are cool things, but, um, you know, majority of my athletes are not necessarily playing professionally. So my goal for them when they leave is, did they learn something from me? If they walked into a gym tomorrow, are they going to feel the confidence to go back into the weight room area, especially as a female? Are they going to, or do they know what they're doing? Can they put together a program? on their own without having and then do they always know that they can reach out and get a hold of me that's great no that's cool do you guys have a lot of people that come back um and train with you after they've graduated i mean it's probably obviously like pro sports tends to see that football whatever more but if someone like they had that opportunity to go you know dive for Cirque du Soleil or whatever it might be. Are they coming that, back? To that train? was interesting to try to help her train yeah, for that. that. Um, and, um, you know, she, she did a fifth year, so she stayed an extra year. So we had a year to kind of prepare her physically. Um, when they sent us some of the things that she was going to be tested on, it was kind of like, holy crap, this is not traditional in any <laughs> right. way, um, obviously, for what they're doing. So it was definitely kind of um, – we look back now and she's come back to see me and say, okay, this is the kind of training we do. So it's always kind of fun to see that. We do get a decent number of, of our student athletes come back. Um, 
mostly baseball players uh, come back uh, as they are either between teams or maybe they're trying to come back and finish up their degrees or something like that. And our our thing is, is I never want to turn a hokey away. Like I want to, I always want them to be able to know that if they come back and they want to train, come on in. That's great. And uh, so you mentioned it kind of with the, you know, when she brings you this thing back, hey, we're getting tests on this. How do you, with, or if some, if, you know, your director comes to you and says, hey, Meg, I want to give you a new team. How do you handle, like, taking on a new team or a sport that you may never even have heard of, let alone or never worked with before? Um, well, obviously, so much of what we do starts with the coach. And what does the coach believe in and what does the coach think that they want? And then what can you educate the coach on in terms of your profession or what your preferences are or how you can actually help them and some coaches you know I've had a coach literally sit there in front of me and say I don't believe in science (laughs) and it's like okay so this is going to be a tough this is going to be a tough sell so for him I've kind of approached it and said okay we're going to baby step in this direction and hopefully as he sees results he starts to believe in what we do a little bit more and I've had other coaches who have had great experiences with strength and conditioning coaches that the foundation is already there they believe even what we do and those are the obviously the best coaches to work with but you also want to look at what are the needs of the sport analyze the sport see as much of it as you can I was given lacrosse two years ago women's lacrosse Uh, I hadn't worked with them in several years so I I needed to talk to our strength coach who had had them before what have you been doing with them where's their base of training now because I didn't know any of those girls anymore and um, you know what are some things that have worked for you what what hasn't worked for you in terms of reaching them because you're dealing with 42 girls in a 7,000 square foot weight room. It can get a little overwhelming. Yeah. That's a big team. No way. Um, and you guys, how many, uh, interns do you guys take on at a time? Uh, as many as we can get our hands on. Um, so we, in Olympic sports, obviously we're, we're, we consider ourselves pretty lucky. We have three full-time strength coaches, two graduate assistants uh, who obviously help us uh, every day and day-to-day and have a few responsibilities of their own. Um, and then we currently have two interns. Um, it's primarily voluntary position. Um, some of them have been students at Virginia Tech that have come to us maybe by way of rec sports. Maybe they were personal trainers in our rec sports department. Um Right next, not far from us, is Radford University, and they have a really good exercise science academic program. And um, the director over there, he'll send us one every now and then um, to help to volunteer intern. But most of our kids who are coming in to intern, if they're students at Virginia Tech, they're trying to get their field study hours or their internship hours and that kind of stuff. What's the best advice that you would give someone who's, who's... looking for an internship or maybe currently in an internship don't give up (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is a tough field Uh, i've uh, i have a fairy tale story i get to coach at my alma mater and i never had to leave it and that's not the normal and i recognize that and i know that and i've seen my ga sit and struggle and apply to 80 positions in a year and get turned down for every one of them. And then all of a sudden something pops up. So it's like, just don't give up if this is what you really, really want. Yeah. I, I tell a lot of our interns and people, even other people I meet that, you know, my quote was don't give up what you want most for what you what you want now. And a lot of times I think it's easy to pick the mm-hmm. easier, softer mm-hmm. way, right. Or choice. Um, yeah. 
How much has social media in, you know, become uh, a factor with your athletes and whether that's your, whether it's like using it to connect with your athletes or communicate, you know, Mm -hmm. or be a distraction and be the nemesis. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We have a rule in our weight room that there's no cell phones on the floor. So if there's a cell phone on the floor, it's usually a coach's. Um, But our athletes are, 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 checking that at the door and they're not allowed to bring that in our our room and I think that's been a beneficial thing in terms of keeping them focused on the task at hand you know everybody knows this but we, you only get so much time in a week and a coach is only willing to give you so much you've got to maximize that and if they, if their student athletes are sitting there playing on their phones then you know that's that's not a good use of their time while while you have it but I think the challenge the big challenge with social media for me is that there is so much information out there and it is at their fingertips that uh, if you as a coach aren't evaluating what they're doing um, and what's going on in those videos um, then you know you're gonna you can be swept into that I don't we don't post a lot um, we have a Twitter the Hokie Strengths um, Twitter um, but we, we we tend to forget about it um, <laughs> because we're you know we're out there doing our jobs yeah. and so unless I take an intern and specifically assign him hey your job today is to video and post and and right. put some content out there um, but I want to evaluate the content. Yeah. You know, yeah, I want yeah. to make sure that we're putting quality co- content out there. Right. It's going to have your, it's going to have the Hokies name on it. So yeah, you got to be on top of it. Definitely. Um, cool. Well, I've got a couple fun kind of go-to questions that you've probably heard before and you know that I warned you about, but, uh, <laughs> so if you could have dinner or conversation with, you know, up to three or, or less, uh, people either living dead or fictional characters who would it be um i guess for me it's really i'm such a family-oriented person um it it is very hard for me to be away from eight hours from my family um at least at different times i've been fortunate that my fiance's family is local so we um i get that but um i would have to say my grandfather uh he passed when i was a baby. So I never really got to know him, but every, every story I hear about him, he sounds like a really cool guy. So, um, just somebody who I think I would have really clicked with. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and then how about if you were still, you know, this far along in an entirely different profession, what do you think you'd be doing today if it wasn't coaching? I would have to say veterinary medicine. Um, I had an interest in it when I was younger. I have a passion for animals, especially animal rights. And um, I think the better question, Scott, is if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you still be doing your job? And and for (laughs) me, I would open, I would probably open an animal shelter. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I think I would do uh, probably a couple of those things. I'd probably have a million dogs in a, uh, yep. <laughs> in a rescue, and I'd probably have a gym that people could train at for free. And then, <laughs> and then, are those dogs really up for adoption? Yeah, Scott? right, right. Yeah, they, it wouldn't be. I don't know what we'd have to call it—a refuge, uh, a, a haven, sanctuary, <laughs> sanctuary. Yeah. Um, how about how can people? They listen to this. They they heard about you and they want to learn more and they want to reach out to you what's the best way to contact you probably through email um my email address is m-e-e-v-a-n-s-2 
at vt.edu. So M-E Evans, too, um, at vt.edu. So that's the best way to get me. Um, I'm not going to put my phone out now. Yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> we'll put that in the show notes, and we'll put the hokey strength in the uh, show notes, even though maybe it'll encourage you guys to get on the Hopefully, yeah, you know, it's more. on the list for the New Year's to try to be a little bit more um, – <laughs> more active with that since we're not allowed to do anything with them in the summer since it's Olympic sports. So there you go. sounds like a good GA job for me. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I have to get all on that. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show and look forward to hanging out for the next couple of days here at the conference. Awesome. Thank you. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.